catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. Maps used to be a tool reserved for the elite. While only the elite had access to maps, only a few knew how to use it. These days, many people are using maps on their phones, tabs, laptops, and other devices like never before. When you need to eat and you order a meal with the app on your phone, the driver finds where you are with a map. When you're trying to find the best route home with less traffic, you use a map. When you call an emergency line to report an emergency, they'll find the precise location with a map. Maps tell stories and these stories can become definitive. Maps are historical tools as well and can be used to retrace history. Many people around Africa through their mobile phones have been interacting with the geographic information system, GIS technology, without even knowing this. And what better way to understand what maps are and what their importance in different areas of our personal and public life is than with an international supplier of the GIS system and software, the Web GIS Geodatabase Management Applications, ESRI, also known as ESRI. Founded as the Environmental Systems Research Institute in 1969 as a land use consulting firm, Esri products, particularly the ArcGIS desktop, have about 40% of the global market share. From Esri Africa in this episode is a digital transformation professional specializing in location intelligence and digital business transformation with an extensive career in public, private and voluntary sectors. Currently, our guest leads Esri's business in Africa. He also volunteers his time to support GIS professionals and the humanitarian sector via the international charity Map Action. Matthew Panels is our guest. Welcome, Matthew, to Africa Tech Radio. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. Beautiful. Let's talk about maps and how they help us tell stories, solve problems and, you know, save the world. Now, many people will not understand the technology behind the maps they use. In a simple way, tell us about GIS and why it is important for the world like ours. Sure. Yeah, great place to start. So I think uh, maps in general, as you described in your introduction, have become more common. I'm sure we've all used maps at some point, like you say, to travel between two places or get a delivery. So geographic information systems or GIS is really the technology that powers uh, maps and location data. So just to break it down into simple terms, if you think about anything out there uh, in the real world that you can, you can put on a map, so that could be a tree or an address, a farmyard, an airport, a bus stop, you know, all this is information you can collect and put on a map. So really it breaks down into three main areas. Your points, such as trees and airports, lines, maybe roads, rail networks, and areas like a country has a boundary, or maybe a provincial or municipality area within a country has a boundary. So if you think of GIS really as the technology that can use all this geographic data, but not just put it on a map, it can help analyze it. You can see things you couldn't see before. So for example, if I count all the population in my country and then I work out there's more old people in the north or the south, or do I have more crime in the east or the west of my city, or, or the, how many people have come through my airport, do I need to put on more transportation because there's been an increase in, in passengers? So it's not just looking at information on a map, 
but it's carrying out analytics that could be through the tools or more advanced tools now with computer power like machine learning. You can start doing things automatically that previously took so much longer. Thank you. Hmm, beautiful. This helps us collect, analyze, store, disseminate information about, you know, geographic locations. And then it can be used by different people, different entities uh, to make informed and uh, uh, smooth uh, decisions. Now, let's look at a couple of areas that affect the lives of people in Africa, like transportation. Uh, what are a few practical examples of the benefits of using uh, GIS? Sure. So I'll just use a couple of examples from you know, users and partners of Esri Technology to answer that. So I think if you look at transportation, you know, all about moving from A to B. So if I'm the, the local municipality and I'm providing your know, bus services, I need to know where people are. And you as users need to get to that bus stop. So there's a great partner of Esri's down in South Africa called Where Is My Transport? That's mapping these sort of unofficial bus routes, you know, the minibuses you can jump on and off and trying to provide that information to the users so people can get around more. But also if you think about transportation as maybe logistics, obviously you're moving food from farms to markets and markets then to houses. You need to have your transportation routes so the lorries know where to go. And obviously on the larger scale, if we think of transportation as you know, ports and airports. Yeah, if we look at how the economy is supported by ports for countries with uh, sea borders, you know, where we have those ports and how roads connect to them. And I'm sure many listeners will have heard of you know, the, the Pan-African infrastructure projects where they're trying to connect trade routes between countries. That all comes down to knowing where are my roads, where are my borders, uh, and how can I get my, uh, my logistics to, to flow. So it affects you know, individuals, it affects businesses, and it affects governments and economies. Oh, you just mentioned the... Africa Continental Free Trade Area Agreement and how important is you know mapping system on the continent for this agreement to work out um, perfectly? Yeah, great question. Obviously, it's a fantastic initiative and um, it's coming together. Without understanding where where stuff is, how, how can you plan trade around it? So obviously, there's many different areas that impact the Africa Free Trade Zone area, but obviously, understanding borders. You know, can goods cross borders? Are there any custom rules? Are there certain border areas where lorries can cross? Maybe there's other border crossings that are not for lorries because they don't have any customs checks. So again, there's the practical logistical stuff, but also at the higher level, if you think about uh, Africa free trade zone area, um, you know, one country might have strong trade in minerals, in oil and gas or in, in, in mining. Another one might have strong agricultural trade areas. So you need to have the higher level maps and intelligence to say, well, we don't want every country to trade in rice and wheat because you know, we have lots of that. We want to encourage maybe countries in the West to trade in you know, forestry goods like we see in Gabon. So again, it's the practical logistical stuff, but also higher level planning and monitoring of the free trade areas all includes geographic information. Uh, now, you've mentioned rice and you've mentioned things that have to do with moving things, uh, especially food. Uh, food is important in Africa. Agriculture employs about the largest population on the continent. How can you know, the online mapping technology help Africa um, scale its agriculture um, so that this doesn't just employ more people, uh, but it also contributes more to the GDP and you know, it takes Africa to the next level? Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of thoughts there. So I mean, if you look at the sort of local level, uh, we're seeing some 
countries and ministries of agriculture using GIS information and data to help with smallhold farmers and better sharing out subsidies or better better sharing out um, insecticides or, or seeds and so forth. So at the small level there, you, um, you can use the, the geographic information to help smallhold farmers. At the larger level, you can then look at sort of regional or country level ministries of agriculture are obviously trying to track what we call yields, how much crops are going to be created from the agricultural land in the country. And that's something they need to monitor. So if they have the information, and we're seeing some examples where that information can now be sort of monitored from satellite imagery. And so that information can then be stored. And the, the ministry could be able to say, well, hold on, I'm, I'm not making enough rice or, or whichever crop this year. I need to try and make some interventions here so it doesn't affect my overall yield for the year. And we're seeing here as one, one item, one example related to sort of followed on from COVID-19 in Kenya uh, was the Ministry of Agriculture saw the impacts of the COVID-19 and the lockdowns as interrupting their supply chain. So they quickly used GIS tools to go out and check what we call their staple food levels. So was there enough food in the country across its various um, agricultural systems to feed the population? So that's a very quick and initiative task they had to do without travel because of the uh, lockdown restrictions. So then again, GIS technology can be deployed very quickly to solve some of these challenges, very urgent tasks like that, but also, as you say, work towards improving the GDP and improving the efficiency and using crop models to you know, make decisions or advert crises like uh, looking at bad crop health and making adjustments rather than waiting for a crop to fail. You can monitor these things from from satellite observations or from, from field inspections. So bringing all that information together allows the agriculture systems to be more efficient. Uh, and again, having that, whether it be at a smallhold farmer level or the Ministry of Agriculture, or indeed pan, you know, cross-border agricultural groups as well, can all use this geographic data to be more efficient. Interesting. Now, climate change is a major issue in Africa and in a few years, uh... In the past few years, southern and eastern Africa region has experienced floods, droughts, um, pest attacks. How can satellites and location technologies help solve Africa's climate change challenges? Yeah, obviously a very, very uh, important topic and, and obviously really in the news as well. So I think there's a few areas. If you look at, first of all, the impacts of climate change, so sort of disaster management and so forth. Obviously, you mentioned things like the locust uh, you know, crisis. It maybe it comes every year, but the the last year was definitely more severe than normal. So, as he was working with the UN FAO, Food and Agriculture Organization, to share out live or near live data on locust sightings, um, so that um, but also locust patterns, so that people could make preventative measures and try and kill off the locusts or create safe areas for the crops, etc. So that's an example where with the satellite data and the monitoring, people reporting what they see on the ground, plus scientists looking to see the patterns, how can they prevent the impact of things like locusts? And more broadly on climate change, when it comes to monitoring, you know, we work with and, and collect data from some global observation groups. We then, you know, we can run models and, and show visualizations to show you know, the, the surface temperature of the world or surface temperature of the sea and look for changes and look for patterns there that we can see and then again take um, corrective measures. So I think it's a very emerging topic. There's lots more examples, uh, but it's really about trying to look at the data, 
look for patterns and then make um, changes before the problem or with things like locusts and flooding, at least be prepared as much as possible. Know where the flooding is going to come. Move people, move livestock or move crops if possible. If we look and see, well, this area is flooded every time in March, this area floods. Let's not build a school there. So we can use the historical data to look for patterns and then try and protect people, their livelihoods, their infrastructure from being severely impacted by the floods. Talking about people and protecting people, a lot of African countries are struggling with rapid population growth and urbanization is one major issue. How can effective mapping help out? Yeah, so rapid urbanization is a problem, I think, globally, really. But obviously across Africa, it's happening at a, at a huge pace. So I guess there's a few different things. I mean, if you look at from government or a municipality perspective, you know, they need to try and provide services, you know, water and electricity to these areas. So they need to be able to plan. So planning in advance and something that we call broadly geodesign, which is taking into factor geography while looking at your urban planning and city planning. Um, so you can plan ahead and know that you have enough water, sanitation, electricity and so forth. But also you look at it from a citizen perspective. Um, they may need to um, you know, have an identity and be able to you know, gain access to banking, financial services. So I think it was uh, down in uh, Cape Town. Um, there's an, another rescue partner called What Three Words who was working in the area to get banks to realize that someone living maybe in unofficial accommodation still has an address they could then go and open a bank account with. Or if you look at um, M-Pesa in Kenya, there they have mobile money, as I'm sure many listeners are aware of. And in that regard, you can have small financial loans between M-Pesa that allows you to do small businesses in markets. So that's giving people in the urban environment the opportunity to have very small micro loans, as they're called. And again, knowing where they are and creating an opportunity for income in urbanization then allows people to fund fund other services and so forth. So really urbanization is something that can be tackled, you know, top down or bottom up. It needs geodesign, it needs geography to be considered in the planning phase by the, the city governments, etc. But also then there's many services that can be availed to uh, citizens uh, by clever use of technology. Like for example, if there is rapid urbanization and people need access to sanitation, where could I put some temporary sanitation or temporary water supplies to serve the best population? So I want to put it where there's the most people. Again, so geographic information can help with that. So really, I'd say geodesign is the big topic there. And that's another big area that we could talk long about. Wow. Let's get into security. Um, most countries in Africa you know, have security issues. Somalia, Ethiopia, Nigeria. How can this particular GIS, uh, the technology, help um, calm the security challenges across the continent? Sure. So I think when it comes to sort of that, there's obviously again two areas. So keeping people safe is important. And with regards to the citizen, knowing that the government or local area has, you know, looked at crime and maybe made some interventions, it could be as simple as putting up some more lighting in crime areas so that it's lighter, so there's less crime that happens. When it comes to the larger sort of um, you know, border security and public safety and national security, uh, you obviously have to you know, you understand your know, police forces and um, you know, armies and so forth. It's very critical. They know where their vehicles are. They know where their, their um, personnel are. And obviously all that can be tracked on a map. But obviously more generally, simple things like a, a project the African Union is doing or leading 
is mapping out the borders. So if we all agree where our borders are, then there should be less disputes between countries about the borders. So if you go and find an expensive mineral, gold in the uh, border between two countries, if everyone's agreed and signed off where the border was, then there shouldn't be any fighting over where, the, where, that, where that gold was found in country one or country two. So I think in that sense, I mean, um, you know, defense, um, public safety and emergency services, as you mentioned again in the introduction, are all very crucial areas where geography is essential to know where is the problem, where is the affected people, you know, where are my uh, injured people through to where are my people affected by floods or by fighting. Or obviously, and sometimes, unfortunately, when we have conflict, people leave their homes. And then you have the United Nations systems and government services that look at refugees and so forth or internally displaced people and say, well, hold on, how can I set up a refugee camp very quickly? Again, uh, geographic information crucial in making sure that that's done efficiently and done in the right place to, to serve that affected population. But all about using geographic information to keep your population safe. Now, uh, more than 50% of a lot of you know, Fortune 500 companies deploy the software um, by Esri to meet their own business goals. How important are the information um, by the software for businesses? Let's look at Africa. Let's come down to Africa. How important would you see this information uh, is for businesses in Africa? Yeah, so let's take a few examples. So obviously, if you look towards um, countries like, um, say, Namibia, where natural resources, you know, mining, minerals are a large uh, contribution to their GDP. And obviously they're run by some of the big commercial mining companies. Um, and so geographic information to them is crucial to understand, you know, where are they working? Are they working safely within the environment, doing environmental impact assessments, but also capturing, for example, with our field technology, you can capture volumes of so how much rock or how much mineral have they mined by, you, know, you can visually map out uh, the spoil heaps and so forth, and it can do volumetric calculations. So that's you know a mining company, they're a business. You know their their profits are driven by how much they operate, uh, and so all that information is critical to their operations. Uh, maybe then come over and look at somebody um, like a delivery company. Um, uh, I know Egypt Post. Egypt Post is the national post organisation within Egypt, uh, and they're looking at um, or have just recently created better addressing, so creating postcodes for Egypt, uh, again, using ESRI technology in the, in the design and delivery of that, so that then postal services, but also the courier services, so your, your Amazons and equivalents, can do what we call better last mile delivery. So again, there, the information they're providing is delivering that service to citizens more efficiently, therefore costing them less. I think, I can't remember the exact numbers, but I think each parcel they tried to deliver in Egypt before this project, they normally failed once or twice to reach the person. So you'd get it on the third attempt. They're obviously now trying to reduce that so people get their parcels on their first or maybe second attempt. And that obviously all the savings there in petrol, which obviously comes back to climate change, but also costs. Um, so there you have you know, a mining agency, you have a postal agency, and maybe then more broadly come back into um, Safaricom and M-Pesa, or, or another telecom company like MTN um, or MTN Group or MTN Ghana in specifically have been looking at their customers. So they know where their customers are. They have customer information. And by putting that on a map, they can target their services. So if they have a, an offer for young people, they can do what's called geomarketing to target that relevant population. So I don't need to spend money on advertising as a company 
advertising my service to people that won't take it. I want to focus my advertising budget to those who I know will, will um, be more interested in my products. So there's a few examples from the, from the commercial sector. Beautiful. Now, we know SMEs run the services sector of Africa. How accessible and affordable are Esri's GIS services to businesses in Africa? Great question. So I think we, we um, as you've described there, we work with many different sized companies. You know, so Esri, is a, um, as a software company, we have everything from a startup program, which is um, completely free access to our technology for companies under three years old. Uh, we work with them to try and you know, help them learn and use the technology to help their businesses and grow their businesses. And obviously, above that, you come into you know uh, normal you know, procurement uh, cycles through to governments procuring you know, systems for a whole country uh, and those commercial large commercial companies. So within the SME space, there's a few different ways that we work. We work specifically in Africa. We have an initiative or a, a platform called Africa Geoportal. And that's allowing access to, to anyone who wants to get to know and use geospatial information. But for example, it could be um, a developer coming in and seeing how they could build a, an app uh, for their company or for their community. And so rather than them having to sort of start from scratch, we give them the building blocks. So we give them what, we, you know, what developers will understand as you know, developer tools, SDKs and APIs, which any developers listening will understand those terms. They're sort of the building blocks they can put together and make the solution they need. So you're not necessarily buying like a full ArcGIS system from Esri, but you're taking some of the building blocks underneath and only, only spending a small amount of, of, of money on those for the, what you need. Some of them are free. Some of them have small costs like routing services and so forth. And then they have those building blocks and can build up their solutions. And then as they grow, um, you know, they, they move from the startup programs and through. But Africa Geoportal is something that's free for any user. It contains data from many, many different sources, from governments, from ESRI, from satellite uh, imagery companies, from uh, organizations like Digital Earth Africa that we, we can talk about more. Um, but that all comes together with data. Next to that data it has the geospatial tools, and they're free to access as well. But more importantly, next to that is training information and learning materials. For me, it's a very important triangle for SMEs and for students and for anybody, you need learning materials, you need the data, and you need the tools. When you have those three things, you can be successful. If you just have one, then you're always going to be looking uh, looking for the other two. Uh, so you have the tools, but you don't know how to use them, then they're not much help. If you have the data, but no tools, you can't really access the, the power of that data. So yeah, for SMEs, many different ways as we support them through our partner program, our startup program, and through free three plat free platforms like Africa Geoportal. Let's look a bit into the educational sector because you know there's some people listening on the call now who are in the educational sector. How does you know GIS uh, affect, impact, or benefits the educational sector? Yeah, great, great point. So two two things. Really, commonly work with ministries of education and higher education is again coming back to countries often collect their population data within that is age and they can see where they're young see where their school age people are um, population are and obviously therefore you want to build schools in those areas so you, we can help the education service providers build schools in the, the right place and that's sort of one point then when it comes to the actual teaching side of it 
it's something that Esri and our founder, Jack Dangerman, is very, very passionate about. Uh, and he basically gives away and supports both teachers and students um, globally. So schools have um, access to our learning materials. There's a great website for any teachers on there. If you Google Teach with GIS or head to learn.artgis.com, they are all resources designed both for the students, but also things like lesson plans for teachers. And really, obviously, we see GIS most commonly being discussed within geography classes. But to any teachers who are listening today, I think it's also important to understand that geography plays a role in so many other topics as well. As we've spoken about earlier in the different sectors or different departments that use geography, you know, we want people learning about um, you know, the environment, learning about nature that has a role in geography. We're also learning about business, you know, learning about governments, all has a role within, within geography as well. So there's lots and lots of materials there that are free to download and use for teachers. Uh, and obviously lots of contact details to get in touch with us um, if people want to do anything different. So if you're a student listening, um, I recommend you go to somewhere like africageaportal.com because that has all the links to the learning materials. Uh, if you're a teacher, you're more than welcome to go there as well. But there's some specific links as well at learn.rgis.com as well. Okay, could you take that a bit slowly? And you'll see in that website, it says, who are you? Sure, 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 sorry. So the two the two main points there, For any students listening, head to www.africageoportal, that's G-E-O-P-O-R-T-A-L.com, and there they will find all the learning materials as well as data and tools that we were speaking about earlier. And for any teachers, they could also head there. But the other important and useful website for them is learn.arcgis.com. And on that site, they'll see a drop down that says, who are you? And it says, am I a student? Am I a teacher? Am I a researcher? And if they select the relevant ones there, it will take them to a wealth of resources like lesson plans, other geographical tools, and, and so forth. Wow. Now, you mentioned GeoPortal. Um, let's talk about other initiatives that Esri is involved in, like the Digital Earth Africa, the Africa Living Atlas. Just tell us a little bit about these initiatives. Great, yeah. So let's start with um, Digital Earth Africa. It's a fantastic program that's been um, launched and spearheaded by uh, a team out of the Australian government from a, a group within the government called Geoscience Australia, uh, but also some international partners, uh, especially a, a group called GEO, a group on Earth observation. Um, and it's had some um, private funding from some uh, American-based um, philanthropic funds. So what that's basically done is brought together satellite data so images taken from space of africa and brought them all into one database and made that freely available to anyone who wants to use it uh, and it's also ready to do analysis so rather than just sort of being you know a fixed image is what we call analysis ready data and esri's been working with uh, digital earth africa um, to make their data available via tools like arcgis but also platforms like africa geoportal meaning that users can come in there, access the imagery data, maybe put other data on top of it, like um, you know where floodings happened or their school locations. And again, like we were saying earlier, they could then run analysis to say, this is where there's been flooding every year for the last 10 years, and this is where my schools are. I do some analysis. I see one of my schools is in a high-risk flood area. So Digital Earth Africa is a great resource there, and Africa Geoportal is how users can come and access that data. 
Uh, if they're data scientists, there's those kind of tools where they can use scripts and programming and things like Python is a coding language they can use to access it. Um, but if they're not data scientists, you can still access it via much more simple tools, a bit more like your Google Maps interface. Uh, you can go and find your your village or your city or your house on that satellite image uh, and then go show it to your family and say, I found our house and it's here's a picture of my house from space. So that's a great initiative and it keeps growing as well. And it's really about educating people around the power of geography and geographic data as well. Um, you mentioned then Africa Living Atlas. That's... Um, that's incorporated within Africa Geoportal. Uh, so again, that's all the data that could be coming from ESRI. It could be coming from Digital Earth Africa. It could be coming from uh, national governments who have shared their mapping or their statistical data. Maybe they've shared data on SDGs, on the weather from IBM, or on traffic data from people like TomTom. So all this different information comes together so you can use it. And, and we, people have heard of you know, mashing things together or data mashups. So I could bring data from one place, two places, three places, bring that together and work out uh, where's the best place to open my next uh, store or my next hospital or my next market in my area or in my country. Other initiatives uh, are things like um, very passionate around conservation. So we have a large conservation program and there's tools, what we call the protected area management. So for national parks for, for wildlife parks and so forth to protect the animals and better manage the, the areas. And as you said, another large initiative is obviously education, supporting universities uh, across the continent with educational grants and again, syllabus and teaching materials from younger school kids through to higher education as well. And obviously most recently, a topic I think we all want to move on from, but another large area that we've been supporting is obviously COVID-19. And if you think of that as a disease, as a pandemic, it had geography at the core. It was all about where is the case, where are the spiking cases? All that information was geographically based. And as we supported, I think, over 5,000 organizations worldwide with software donations to help map and manage the impact of COVID-19. And more importantly now, working with governments and NGOs to help map and plan the vaccine programs through supporting initiatives like COVAX, etc., so there are a few examples for you. Very important and very insightful, of course. Now, let's go a bit lighthearted and uh, let's do a bit personal, you know. What five apps do you use every day? You know, when you think back, you're sure you can't do without them. Five applications on your mobile phone or your mobile device. Great question. So uh, I think obviously, we would, even though I work for Esri, we'd be wrong to say I don't use Google Maps a lot. Uh, we don't really, uh, it's not really something we compete with, but Google Maps is obviously a fantastic app for finding out where you are. Obviously, I think I probably use the news app a lot, uh, whichever news app uh, to my location. Um, then my music and the streaming apps, YouTube or, or um, Spotify. And then maybe number five, probably my travel apps. Um, so I have not most recently, but have the luxury of, of being able to visit many countries in the region. So my airline app or my airport app is probably my go-to app for Again, checking my flights and checking my travel details. They're probably the top five for me. Interesting. Now, what's your best and worst experience using a tech product? I think the best is probably you know being able to jump out the airport at Nairobi and open Uber and jump in a taxi and find my way down to Upper Hill, where our offices are. You know, that's just 
and I could say the same for Addis or for Cape Town, you know, that's uh, just being able to jump into places and use technology to navigate around areas that I don't know. Um, probably the worst is when you get out from the airport, you go to do that and your phone doesn't connect to the network because of roaming or because of weak networks. So when the tech doesn't work, you have to go back to the old fashioned ways, you know, wave down a taxi, practice my best uh, Swahili and see if I can get through, uh, through the Nairobi traffic. <laughs> so yeah, when it works, it's great. But when it doesn't, you need to have that backup plan. Okay, now final one, uh, in-person meeting or virtual meeting and why? I think uh, um, at ESRI, we are a, a very uh, family-based organization. Um, we're still privately owned and so forth. So I think we have always been about face-to-face. Saying that, we, we normally have about 20,000 people join us for our, our user conference, which is in San Diego once a year. Obviously, in the last two years, we've had to run that virtually. And when we have run it virtually, we went from reaching about 20,000 people to, I think, over 60,000 or even more. I can't remember the exact numbers. And so our reach is so much more when we work digitally. But you just don't have that personal touch where I might bump into you when getting coffee or food during the conference and we can have a conversation. I can't do that if you're in front of your laptop and I'm on my phone in two different countries or two different continents. So I think really we're now looking to, to cheat and answer your question. We're looking on how we can do things in a hybrid way moving forward. But we're looking forward to getting back to in-person. But virtual and digital events have really come into the spotlight. I mean, we, we ran them before COVID. But I think now we've obviously really seen the power of and the reach of digital events. But we also look forward to getting back in front of people. As you know, across the continent of Africa and many parts of the world, business and relationships are formed face-to-face. So we're very much looking forward to getting back to that. But digital will still always be there. Mm, Okay, that's you creating a third option for for the question, right? Yeah, sorry, I cheated there. It's okay. We've been discussing the science of where, where you are and where I am with the regional manager of Esri in Africa, Matthew Pennells. Esri founded as Environmental Systems Research Institute in 1969 as a land use consulting firm. Uh, the products have about 40% of the global market share. And in 2014, Esri had approximately 43% share of the GIS software markets worldwide, more than any other vendor. Thank you very much, Matthew Panels, for sharing your insight with us today. Thank you for the time. Um, it was really, really interesting. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thanks for listening and don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.